The clipper ship is an American invention. It is basically a fast, three-masted, square-sailed merchant ship designed in the 1840s to move goods across large bodies of water as fast as humanly possible. Lighthouses are actually inventions dating back to ancient Egypt where light is raised on a piece of land to warn mariners of dangers lurking in the water. Sometimes those dangers were unseen, but they were almost always deadly. I recall the words of Jerry Quinn, the ill-fated ringmaster of the Painted Seas Art Festival. Quinn was not fond of either clipper ships or lighthouses, but as I was pulled further into the mysteries surrounding his grisly death, which included an ominous call from an unknown man who signed off by saying he liked his head where it was, my meeting with a Cape June police officer who warned me to be careful, and my second meeting with the Cape June coroner who described in matter-of-fact yet stomach-turning fashion how Quinn's murder with a fireman's axe was akin to the beheading of Mary Queen of Scots. I started to wonder if I was a speeding clipper ship careening past the warning lights of several lighthouses into very dark and perilous waters. From Mid-Atlantic Broadcasting, I'm Connor Avery Tuxton, and this is Painted Seas. The murder of Jerry Quinn. It's nearly 10 p.m. I'm still down in Cape June. I just left the coroner's office where she revealed the murder weapon. And just as I'm getting into my car, I receive a text from Captain Pethybridge of the Yacht Club. He wants to meet in the archive room of the library. At 9.45 on a weeknight in October, Cape June is a pretty quiet place. The only sounds are the October breezes rustling the colored leaves of the maple trees and the hundred-year-old mighty oaks that line the slate sidewalks and cast shadows from the gas streetlights and windows of the Victorian bed and breakfast onto the uneven slate sidewalks. The mighty Atlantic Ocean is only two blocks away, but it is quiet perhaps because it is low tide, perhaps because it is a land breeze. As I approach the Cape June Library, I can't help but notice that it looks different from the other buildings. It's a lightly colored, one-story stucco building with huge roof-to-street windows flanked by tavern green hurricane shutters and an inviting stone stair entryway flanked by century-old stone pillars with huge wrought iron gas lanterns atop each one, casting just enough light to guide your footsteps should you choose to enter or walk by. In a town filled with Victorian structures, the unique architecture of the library stands alone and makes even a casual observer take notice, maybe similar to Jerry Quinn, among the establishment of Cape June. Just as I'm starting to ascend the steps of the Cape June Library, I'm stopped and startled by a voice behind me. Turns out it's Officer Frolic in a Cape June police car. Evening, Mr. Tuxton. I'm surprised to still see you in town this late. Catching up on some late night reading? Yeah, I just have to run inside and uh, check on an article really quickly. Better hurry, Mr. Tuxton. The library closes in nine minutes. I didn't realize that. I better hurry up. Watch your back, Mr. Tuxton. I will do, officer. 
I sprint up the six or seven steps to the door for my meeting with Pethybridge as a thought strikes me. Did Officer Frolic just tell me to watch my back? As soon as I open the door and walk into the small anteroom, an arm touches my back and I almost jump through the roof. It's Captain Pethybridge, dressed in khaki slacks and boat shoes, wearing a navy blue double-breasted blazer over a crisp white dress shirt, open at the neck, to reveal, of course, an ascot. This guy is really playing the part. Then I notice he locks the door behind me. Shit. Sorry I startled you, mate, but I am glad you could make it. Yeah, sure. No problem. So, what did you want to share with me, Captain Pethybridge? Not here. Let's go to the archive room. Mrs. McGregor is waiting. It's just down this stairwell, in the basement. I don't, I don't understand. Is the library closed? Yes, but I am on the board of the library, and I have a key. It just seems rather odd we're going downstairs into a basement. Wouldn't you agree? What did you say, Mr. Tuxton? Nothing. I, I just didn't think they could have underground basements in coastal towns. You know, with the sea level and... Well, you would be correct. In most places in Cape June, there are no underground areas due to the high water table. But the basement of the library was built 150 years ago with reinforced steel bulkheads from a sunken warship and 20 feet of solid rock surrounding it. Nothing could penetrate these walls, Mr. Tuxton. And down here in the archive room, no one would even hear you scream once the door is shut. Actually, we could leave that open if you want. This is Fiona McGregor, treasurer of the Cape June Yacht Club. Fiona, Mr. Tuxton, the reporter. Nice to meet you, Miss McGregor. My name is Connor Avery Tuxton. That's a Scottish name. I mean, McGregor, that's a Scottish name, right? Fiona is a bit reticent and perhaps hesitant to speak with a reporter about the Yacht Club's finances. I'm sorry, but what do the Yacht Club's finances have to do with the murder of Jerry Quinn? The Yacht Club is the name sponsor of the Painted Seas Arts Festival, but we do not have the funds in our budget from our membership fees to carry the entire upfront costs. I see. So who does carry those costs? So, for the past 20 years at least, the city has donated approximately two-thirds of the upfront costs to cover the costs of venue, stage rental, hiring security, artists, stipends and lodging, advertising, etc. Ah! What the fuck? Oh, oh dear. Sorry. That appears to be the tea set that we received from President Grover Cleveland. Oh, maybe one of the most precious artifacts here in the Cape June archives. Oh, well, perhaps I can glue it. Now, my reaction to the breaking glass is not one of my proudest moments as a reporter. But please understand, I was very much on edge.
and then this crashing sound. I didn't know what was happening. I'm sorry, Miss McGregor, you were saying? Once the council approves the festival each year and sets the date, the monetary financing is also approved. $20,000 in 2018. It is paid through the mayor's discretionary funds, through the yacht club, and we pay the vendors, artists, and setup people. Okay, and? You are not listening. I said for 2018, it was $20,000. And for 2019, last year? Zero. She spins the heavy black ledger book around so I can read it and points to the year 2018, which shows a lump sum transfer of $20,000 from the city to the yacht club in May of that year. And then she turns the page to 2019 and there is no transfer. But the festival went on in 2019. It was a big success. Because the yacht club scrounged up our $10,000 share and Jerry Quinn pulled a rabbit out of his hat. Wait, then did Mayor Smearcon decide not to use that money to fund the art festival? For the first time, Fiona looked up at me with steel blue eyes. Then she got a glance at Pethybridge, who was looking down at the table. We're done here. She slammed the book closed, got up, and opened the door to the hallway. Wait, Miss McGregor, can I get a copy of that ledger? Check your mail. I think we're done here, Mr. Tuxton. Captain Pethybridge escorted me up the steps, out of the basement made of sunken warship bulkheads, and out the door into the cool October night. When I finally got back into my car and started the long drive home to Pennsylvania, I now had waves of questions crashing in my brain from what I had learned or not learned in the past 24 hours. This is pretty pathetic. It's 12, 12 a.m. And I just pulled over to the side of the road. I'm still in Cape June. I'm tired. I've got a lot of thoughts racing through my brain. First and foremost, what happened at the city council meeting with Mayor Smearcon and Jerry Quinn? But on my way out of town, I tuned in to talk radio AM 1300, since I'm such an exciting guy, and jackpot. I got Cape June's very own Rob Jeffries. He's on a commercial break right now, but when he comes back, he promised to talk about the murder of Jerry Quinn. Well, all right. Let's get back to the program here, but first, gotta check your weather. Clear skies tonight, low around 64. We got winds out of the northeast, 10 to 15. For you boaters, we got a light to moderate chop on the water and an ocean temp of 68. You know what's on my mind tonight? That gruesome murder of Jerry Quinn, the Painted Seas Festival guy. Artist. Dead. I'm still looking for some answers. We don't have a suspect and very little information coming out of the Cape June PD. What's up with that? How do you feel about it? Let's go to the phones. Carl, you're on Cape Talk 1300 with Rob Jeffries. What's on your mind? Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I want to know if they found all his body parts. Let me take a look at the uh, Cape June Gazette. Uh, broke the story about uh, this murder. 
says here they found his head, arm, leg, and a portion of his torso. Uh, why do you want to know if they found all his body parts? You got some clue to something? Uh, I was just wondering if they found his penis. I don't have time for this nonsense. I want some answers. Freddy from Delhaven, you're on Cape Talk 1300 with Rob Jeffries. Carl. Just when I thought that I had one trip to Cape June without having to see or hear from Carl, he calls in to Talk Radio 1300 at 12.30 a.m. Carl doesn't even have a phone. I know this because he's borrowed my cell phone on many occasions. And when he does get through to the ever-pleasant Rob Jeffries, what does he ask him? He asks him about Jerry Quinn's penis. What the hell's going on here? Am I being punked or something? So, I'm home now. It's 2.30 in the morning. And I just received a text from one of the artists named Jade. I had texted her yesterday morning at 9 a.m. asking if I could call her. And her text just said, hey, Connor, call me right now. So, here goes nothing. Hi, is this Jade? Yes, is this Connor? Yes, this is Connor Avery Tuxton from Mid-Atlantic Broadcasting. Hello. Connor, I'm out and about running errands. I hope you can hear me okay. I hear you just fine. What's up? Well, I wanted to start by asking, it's true that you go just by Jade, right? J-A-D-E? Yep, it's Jade, in all caps. It's not my given name, but now it's my legal name. It's based off an acronym I created in high school. What's the acronym? J is for just, A is for artist, D is for defending, E is for environment. Just an artist defending the environment. Oh, that's cool. In all honesty, my art is a voice for the voiceless, the creatures of the sea. Let me get $9 on pump five. What's that? I, di- I didn't hear you. What's that? Sorry, Connor. Just got to grab some gas. The beast is thirsty. You in the monster truck? That's the one. It's got two gas tanks and only gets 10 miles to the gallon. It's hell of expensive to fill it up. That's why I drive a Prius. How about a pack of smokes? Right there, to your right. Here? No, the unfiltered ones. These? Yep, those. Anything else? And a supersized fountain drink with a bendy straw. Jade, I can always call you. All right, that'll be 102.88. Here you go. Sorry about that, Connor. Where were we? You were saying- Looks like your truck's leaking oil or something. Yeah, it always does that, it's fine. What'd you say, Connor? You were saying that your art is for the voiceless sea creatures. Connor, I weep. I weep for those creatures who do not have tear ducts. Aquatic animals. I didn't realize they don't have tear ducts. Nope, not sharks or dolphins or sea lions, but turtles do. They have these enormous tear ducts and produce giant salty tears. How fitting. Interesting. So, how would you tell someone about your art? You're a photographer, is that correct? My art looks like a marine creature's trigger points. 
black and white photography of contemporary issues like overfishing, dragging the sea bottom, microplastics in the guts of a seabird, six-pack holders strangling sea turtles, garbage-patched island, oil spills, bleached and dying coral reefs, dolphins and tuna. Don't think it's still not happening. That's pretty heavy-duty stuff. It's gotta be. So what ignites me, I give them a voice. We need the world to recognize that their plight is our plight. Then I flip the switch on all the assholes, corporations, and the people that are destroying our oceans. I call them out for it with the red X. That's my calling card. When you Google Jade, in all caps, you get these provocative pieces that she captured. Amazing snapshots, amazing photos such as an overturned barrel with oil steadily dripping out of it. The barrel clearly displays the logo of the oil company and she blows everything up to life size. That's when she does her signature move where she covers her face with a mask, whips out a can of spray paint and proceeds to paint over it with her giant red X. It's a very dramatic, stick it to the man style of art that I'm sure Jerry Quinn just loved. Jade, how did you connect with Jerry? I submitted some pieces, and I told him I'd like to come back to the festival. He sent me back a plane ticket from Seattle to Philly. Just like that. I was like, score, this dude is cool. And when I met him in person, we really hit it off. Get out of the road, asshole. Sadly, I only knew Gary for a minute. But he was the shiz. Thank you for sharing, Jade. It's been very revealing. Anytime. Did they ever find the murderer? No, it's it's still an active investigation. Well, when they do, they string him up by his toes. Jade makes four. She is the fourth artist that we've been introduced to, the fourth headliner. Uh, out of six that Jerry brought in for the Painted Seas Art Festival. And so far, none of them have disappointed. (laughs) I am reminded of my interview with Jerry where he mentioned that these artists were groundbreaking artists ahead of their time. I want this festival to be a living, breathing spectacular of artistic expression, and I've got the artists. All different, all ahead of their time, and not one of them is forgettable. If this works out and the powers that be don't try to hamstring it, this year's festival will put Cape June back on the map. To Jerry's credit, I must admit that none of these artists are forgettable. Ahead of their time is questionable, though. There's Jade, the environmentalist, who drives a monster truck that gets less than 10 miles to the gallon and smokes unfiltered cigarettes. There's Jazz Cordoba, the massive mountain of a man who dresses in jumpsuits and finger paints for his audience with his middle finger. There's Crimson, the deranged gentleman who paints with fish guts and bodily fluids. And of course, Ronnie Zane, the rock and roll artist who makes these seductive, sexy molds of sirens that he is physically attracted to. So there's only two headliners we haven't met so far. 
And this morning, while rummaging through some of the DVDs that Duffy compiled, I came across artist number five, Richard Dithers. I am known to hundreds of adoring fans throughout the world as Drippy Dick. My name is Richard Dithers. The way I express myself through art is by making drippy castles along the water's edge, hence the name Drippy Dick. It's a passion I've had ever since I was a young boy. You see, I'm an only child, and my parents would never let me bring along a friend with me to the beach. So instead of boogie boarding or having a frisbee toss, I put all my energy into building drippy castles. Today, it has evolved into something more elaborate. Here is a four foot high, 1200 square foot replica of Dunrobin Castle in Scotland that I created last summer in Surf City, New Jersey. It only stood for 11 minutes before being decimated by the surf once the tide started coming in. I don't mind when my drippies wash away. It merely signals to me that the next labor of love can commence. For me, art and love are intermingled and both are fleeting. Perhaps that's why I've been married six times. Hopefully you'll consider me to be a headlining artist for your festival. I only have four requirements that must be adhered to by the letter of the law if I am to create drippies on the sand in Cape June. Number one, it is critical that my feet or any other body part never touches the sand. Therefore, I will need a wooden walkway built from the promenade down to the water. Number two, I will need a colorful parachute upon which to stand and lay while creating the drippy castles. Number three, I ask that the audience members or anyone present at the drippy exhibition never make direct eye contact with me. It kills my concentration and my current wife doesn't want me to lock eyes with anyone in the crowd. Number four, the exhibition area of the beach must be free of children and dogs. They have proven to be disastrous on too many occasions. I will be responsible for all the gear and accoutrements. I am sending along some YouTube videos of my work. Usually I tell prospective employers to Google me, but it can be a bit messy searching for drippy dick. Dickie Dithers and the other artists are certainly not forgettable. Nor is the fact that the Cape June Police Department still doesn't have any suspects in the murder of Jerry Quinn and the other unidentified individual. For Midlantic Broadcasting, I'm Connor Avery Tuxton, and this is Painted Seas, the murder of Jerry Quinn. <laughs>